I'm sure you've noticed that throughout the month, your cervical mucus or discharge can change pretty abruptly. What if I told you that your cervical mucus was not only a powerful indicator of health, but also something you can use as part of your fertility awareness in preventing pregnancy? Join me and Natalie Dodette through an epic conversation about cervical mucus, fertility awareness, and how your body is forever speaking to you. Welcome to the Cyclical Health Podcast with me, your host, Cassandra Wilder, a naturopathic doctor and the leading expert in women's cyclical health. Let's get started. Welcome back, my friends, and both literally and figuratively do I have a juicy podcast for you today. I'm incredibly honored to have had the opportunity to interview Natalie Daudette of the Fertility Awareness Project. Now, if you're not following her on Instagram, she's going to be your new favorite person online. I love everything she posts and the way that she breaks down the fertility awareness method is incredibly empowering and also really simplifies a lot of the concepts that can feel overwhelming at the beginning. Now, if you've never met Natalie, she's a certified fertility awareness educator, a social worker, and a menstrual cycle coach who discovered the fertility awareness method after searching high and low for a non-hormonal method of birth control. After she learned about the magic of fertility awareness and the gift of body literacy, she decided to pursue formal fertility awareness training, and thus the Fertility Awareness Project was born. You're really going to enjoy this episode, so please find her on Instagram at Fertility Awareness Project and me at Menstruation Queen. Please repost this episode if you are also obsessed with cervical mucus by the end of it, and we'll be really excited to share in that excitement with you as you reclaim your body and your sacred cervical mucus. Here we go. Welcome, Natalie, to the podcast. I'm so excited you're here. How are you doing? Hey, I'm really excited to be here as well, and I'm so glad that we're finally chatting. Yeah, we were talking before. It feels like a long time coming, and I think this is going to be a really juicy chat, so I'm excited. Like literally juicy, yes. yes. So we're going to talk about <laughs> some powerful things that, yeah, they're so taboo, and yet when you go down the like fam or cycle tracking rabbit hole, you like get really into this stuff. So yes, yes, you can. <laughs> I've loved following you online for probably the last year, maybe, and um, you have opened my eyes to fam in so many different facets and really making it accessible and feel exciting and really feel, I guess like it's, it's available to anyone that needs it. So I'm curious about your story. If you were previously on hormonal birth control, if you dabbled with different things, how did you ultimately arrive to the point of being what I'm going to say is an expert in fam? Well, thank you. I am, yeah, I am really excited about FAM and I'm glad that it shows through because I feel like when I started, I was like, am I going to get tired of talking about fertility awareness? But years in, I'm still really excited about it and it hasn't really worn off. Um, so yeah, I initially found fertility awareness because I was looking for an alternative to non, or I was looking for an alternative to hormonal birth control. And I've never been on hormonal birth control. I There just was something that didn't feel right about it. And I decided to look for alternative options when I started having sex. And I was able to look at a whole bunch of different resources and feel really overwhelmed with all of the different options. So I went to my doctor and I was like, I don't want to be on the pill. Um, I think I want a diaphragm. So diaphragm is like a physical a barrier method. Um, and, and she was like, well, they're really hard to come by. Like, have you heard of the fertility awareness method? And I know that this is a really uncommon experience to have your doctor recommend FAM. Um, but I was really lucky. And I was like, you know what? I've seen it. I read about it. But I just I'm not sure. So she kind of referred me out to a class and that is kind of how I discovered fertility awareness. And I took a class in person um, and it was just an hour and a half and it was just a teaser. It was just a taste of fertility awareness. <laughs> and I went home and I like did all the researching and I discovered that there was like a world online of people who use FAM. And that is kind of how it started. So I really was just looking for an alternative and I wasn't 
super happy with the mainstream options or just like the status quo of what people are offered when they start having sex and they want to feel responsible and they feel like they have to be on some method. Um, I feel like fertility awareness for a lot of people is that alternative to what society is telling us to do. So that's why I'm so excited about fertility awareness. And I've been using it for almost five years and I just love using FAM. Well, your passion just like radiates off of you because I'm like, (laughs) I'm so excited right now (laughs) because you're excited. And yeah, isn't it crazy that there really isn't a good option um, that can like easily be prescribed for birth control? Like it's 2021 folks and there's still nothing. And I'm perplexed and amazed that your doctor is the one that actually brought it up. Is that more common in Canada or was she just like amazing? No, it's not common in Canada. It's the same as in the States. It was just like a fluke. It was just like a one-off and I have I have a really amazing doctor. So I think she just kind of picked it up along the way. Um, but she didn't know a lot about it. She was kind of like, you can go learn about it more from this group of people. But I was I was really lucky. And at the same time, I think that had I not done all that research and gone into the doctor's office with all the information that I had, I might have been pushed into another decision or encouraged into another decision coming in with like a blank slate, just like knowing nothing. Mm-hmm. So I feel like advocating for yourself in the doctor's offices is, is hard when Um, You don't have information and also when you are looking for alternatives and your doctor isn't supportive of those alternatives, that's a conversation that can be really challenging to have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%. So for everyone that's listening to this that's a little confused, can you break down what FAM is and then also demystify how that's really different than natural family planning and why those two are kind of like put into the same box? I feel like those are those are really amazing questions. And they're like the a lot of the misconceptions around fertility awareness. It's like, what is it? And isn't that like natural family planning or like the Catholic method? And isn't it the rhythm method? And isn't it ineffective? Right. <laughs> like there's so much surrounding it. Um, I feel like just breaking it down really simply and explaining what it is. So It's basically tracking ovulation. So you're tracking your fertile window and we track ovulation because when we ovulate, that's when conception can happen is when an egg is fertilized. And when the egg is released, it only lives for 12 to 24 hours. So there is only a short amount of time each cycle that we actually can get pregnant. And so we track that window of time. And if we're trying to avoid pregnancy, We'll use barrier methods or um, alternative sex or perfect withdrawal, basically non-hormonal alternative options when we are fertile. And then when we're not fertile, we can enjoy worry-free, unprotected sex because pregnancy is impossible if there's no egg present. So we use that information if we're avoiding pregnancy. And then a lot of people come to fertility awareness if they're trying to get pregnant. So being able to time the window um, of when you're actually fertile can be really essential for people who are trying to conceive. And so the biggest difference, I mean, natural family planning falls under fertility awareness. So the secular fertility awareness that we're seeing kind of emerging now, uh, which is amazing, has come from natural family planning, which is a Catholic uh, method of contraception. Basically, the difference is that with a secular method, you can have alternative sex or use condoms in the fertile window. Whereas with Catholic natural family planning, they encourage abstinence in the fertile window for religious reasons. But a lot of the research and a lot of the information stems from Catholic organizations and Catholic uh, research. So we can thank uh, those organizations for where we're at. And I think a lot of people are looking for secular, approachable um, educators and programs 
Um, and then there's still a thriving community of people who are Catholic who want to use natural family planning. But now we just have more options for people with different beliefs. Um, and that's kind of the main difference. Mm. So fascinating. But funny how they're always kind of, you know, lumped together. And yeah, yeah like there's there's definitely a lot of like missing pieces, it seems. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Well, because there's a lot of different, um, I guess, opinions around fam and fertility in general. And you know, it's funny you said that, you know, an egg can only live for 12 to 24 hours in an entire month. I remember being in like seventh grade health class and the teacher saying like, it's literally a miracle you exist. And I didn't get it at the time. But when you do think about what had to align for that to happen, you know, with this tiny little window and this massive like voyage for this little sperm, it does give you like a, a sense of awe. Like, wow, that's pretty epic. Definitely. Yeah, it totally is. And I also love that they're talking about that in health class. I feel like a lot of people are told like in high school or middle school that they can get pregnant all the time, um, which is like another huge misconception. And I mean, if you're not tracking your cycle, then it could feel like any time because you don't really know where you're at. But for people who are struggling to conceive, this can be like really valuable information to actually like know, you know, when the egg is actually present. And we can track that by tracking our fertile signs. Yes. Okay. So I want something super juicy here. What are like your biggest pet peeves around fam or like what are the, the funny things we can just giggle at here about it? Yeah, I think we touched on a couple of them with with the whole natural family planning. I feel like that's a huge misconception. And there's so many others. Like, I feel like I'm in the world of fam and I'm just surrounded by people who think like me. And so sometimes I forget that there are still so many misconceptions around it. And I get messages from people who are coming to fertility awareness and they've just heard about it, but they have so many questions because they've heard all these different things. So I feel like the biggest one is just that people think it's not effective. People associate um, hormonal birth control with being incredibly foolproof and effective when we know that no birth control is 100% effective. And fertility awareness is really effective. So we're basically... Uh, when we know where we are in our cycle, we're able to make decisions that align with where we're at. If we don't want to get pregnant, we're going to follow the rules to a T. And that gives us a really high effectiveness rate that's up there with some hormonal birth control um, effectiveness rates. So I feel like that's a huge one is that people are like, oh, you're you're using FAM, like <laughs> you're going to get pregnant, um, which just is not which is is not true. You can get pregnant if you choose to using fertility awareness, but it's a really effective method. Um, I feel like the other one that's huge that I hear a lot is that fertility awareness is the same as the rhythm method. And I'm sure, Cassandra, you've heard this as well, that everybody ovulates on day 14 and everybody (laughs) gets their period on day 28 or they have 28 day cycles. Um, and some people do, you know, some people do ovulate on day 14, but not everybody does and not everybody will every single cycle. Um, and so the rhythm method is based on the idea that we all ovulate on day 14 and have 28 day cycles. Um, but fertility awareness is not a calendar method. It's not guessing, We are really in tune with our fertility levels every day, and it's reflective of our own unique cycle. It's not a calculation or a guess. Um, It's really precise. So I feel like that's another huge one. Um, And then I feel like something that we're probably going to talk a little bit more about and that I've been talking a lot about lately is a lot of people don't know about their cervical mucus. And this is a huge piece of fertility awareness. So we know when we're fertile based on tracking cervical mucus and basal body temperature. Mm -hmm. And they're reflective of our hormone levels and our fertility day to day. And I feel like a lot of people um, 
you know, if they don't know about cervical mucus, they think that it's like random or gross or like they just don't know. And like we all were there um, that I feel like it kind of blows people's minds to think that there's a lot of information in our cervical mucus and we can use that as birth control. Our bodies are so cool. Yes. Do you think that like a hundred times a day also? <laughs> I also think that it's like pretty incredible. Yeah. And fam is so cool. As you were saying all that, I just kept thinking it's like an art of tracking, but it's also like the most uh, fine-tuned kind of researched tool we have for ourselves where we can know exactly when we ovulated and feel really confident in that. So it's such a cool yin and yang kind of approach. Oh, definitely. And I feel like a lot of people kind of dismiss fertility awareness because it is like a natural form of birth control. And anytime there's the word natural on something, they're like, oh, well, it's not science or it's not Mm. like it really is based in our own biology and our physiology. There's nothing really complicated or like woo about fertility awareness. But when we have this information, we can have a more holistic perspective of our overall health And at the same time, it's really straightforward and based in science. And I really think it's something that everybody should have access to regardless of of their intentions or regardless of whether they choose to be on hormonal birth control. They should know how their bodies work. And I feel like when people come to this information, their minds are blown that they feel like really upset that no one has told them this before and that we weren't taught this in health class. And it's just like basic information about our bodies, which I think is really cool. Mm-hmm. How cool would it be for this to be taught, you know, in eighth grade health class for those young people to feel like they know all of it? Yes. Be so wise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It'd be really, really cool. I think I envision a world where that does happen. Mm-hmm. So when we think of FAM, I think a lot of people think about the temperature thing, you know, whether they've done it or they know someone, they, they're like, oh yeah, that's the thing, right? Where you're taking your basal body temperature every single morning. Um, and like you've shared, that can only tell you when you've already ovulated, right? That's the indicator that tells you that is passed. But cervical mucus is like your real time window, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So basal body temperature is a really key indicator. And when we're talking about the symptothermal method of fertility awareness, we're pairing basal body temperature and cervical mucus. But you're right, Cassandra, it only rises after ovulation. And this is why I have I, <laughs> I have like a pet peeve of um, like products like Daisy and Natural Cycles that are only relying on temperature. Because you're really only having one half of the cycle's worth of information because we can never predict when ovulation is going to happen. We can be sure that it's happened after the fact and we can see that our temperature is rising based on progesterone being uh, produced after ovulation. But cervical mucus is like this whole other key piece of our fertility um, that really tells us day to day where we're at in our cycle. Mm-hmm. I, just a side note, I loved when you got all fired up and really started to speak out against, not speak out, but you know, you were providing perspective on some of these companies that do say that they can predict ovulation and do say that they're 100% accurate. And I learned a lot from you when you were like, no. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I feel like it's a little bit, yeah. It's it's amazing that these companies are I do get fired up about it also. So <laughs> it's amazing that these companies are are introducing a wide audience of people to fertility awareness. Like a lot of times and especially recently if you bring up fertility awareness, people will have seen ads for natural cycles or daisy. Um and I think that's really cool more people are hearing about it. But it really takes a lot of the empowerment and information away from women because they don't actually know how the device or the algorithm is 
like figuring out their cycle. It's doing it Mm. for them, which is really tempting, right? We want this like easy solution. We want to rely on something outside of us to tell us if we're fertile. But it can be super problematic for a lot of different reasons that I won't get into on this podcast. Uh, I go into it on an IG live, um, on an IGTV. Um, But I think that a lot of people are starting to understand that we do need cervical mucus and that fertility awareness and an app like Natural Cycles or a device like Daisy are not the same thing. So I feel like that's another really key myth around fertility awareness. And when you're talking to people who don't really know about it, um, is something to like really clear up because they aren't really the same. Um, for simple thermal fertility awareness, we are using temperature for sure. And it's and it's really important to also include cervical mucus. Yes. Okay, so tell me, why is cervical mucus so cool and why is it not just like gross or an inconvenience or I don't know, why do we all act like it's not a thing? Unless you're in the fam world, it's like no one talks about it. Yes. Yeah. And a lot of people don't learn about it until they're trying to conceive. And even if they're trying to conceive, sometimes they don't learn about cervical mucus, which just blows my mind because it's so key without cervical mucus sperm can't really stay alive. And so it's this hydrogel secreted by our cervix that keeps sperm alive. It nourishes sperm, feeds them, and the pH balance of the vagina becomes more hospitable to sperm when there's cervical mucus present. So it's biologically there to help us conceive, but it also reflects the hormone levels on a daily basis. It reflects our estrogen levels and it tells us when ovulation is approaching. So even if you're somebody who uh, has super regular cycles, you may not ovulate on the same day. You probably won't ovulate on the same day each cycle. That first half of your cycle fluctuates depending on what's going on in your life, what like lifestyle stuff is happening, what stressors are happening, where you are in your reproductive lifespan. And so in those cases, you know, any algorithm isn't able to predict the changes that might happen to ovulation when life happens. So cervical mucus is there to give us like a daily report card on our hormone, on our hormone levels. Um, And so basically, as we approach ovulation, um, cervical mucus becomes more sperm friendly. It becomes, uh, there, there's just more water content. Uh, it becomes more stretchy and clear and abundant. And then after ovulation, we notice a pattern of drying up. So our mucus kind of dries up after ovulation when progesterone rises. So cervical mucus is what opens our fertile window if we're trying to avoid pregnancy. And if we're trying to conceive, we can um, we can have sex on days where sperm is going to stay alive the longest. So for a lot of reasons, it's really cool. And then I feel like when people start tracking cervical mucus, it's just really empowering because it's not this gross um, discharge. It's actually like so key to understanding your body. And if you're wanting to know when you ovulate, which I feel like people, once they learn when they ovulate, they're like, how did I not know this sooner? It's happening (laughs) anyways. So let's track it. Cervical mucus will give you this indicator of when you're ovulating. Um, and it doesn't have to be really complicated. It's pretty straightforward. Um, and if you want, we can kind of get into some of the categories that I teach with cervical mucus, um, because I feel like that can be super confusing at first for some people. Mm, please. I am so into this. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm just taking a sip of tea. Okay. So I don't know if you're familiar with the app Kindara. Mm-mm. Um, I've used Kindara for a long time and it's a really great app, but I feel like the categories in Kindara can make things more confusing for people when they're tracking cervical mucus. So 
In the method that I'm trained in, we teach three categories of mucus. So this is a super simplified explanation. Um, I have like a guide with photos on my blog that you might want to pull up as you're listening. Um, I'll get Cassandra to put it in the show notes, but it it doesn't have to be complicated and knowing these three categories can really help clear up any confusion that you might have. Um, And it's just a good starting point for if you're curious about starting fertility awareness, this is just such a huge piece. So the first category is, is dry. So a dry day is just nothing, no observation, no sensation when you're wiping or when you're walking around during the day. And not everybody will have like completely dry days and that's okay. But basically it's no cervical mucus that day. And then as estrogen rises, we start noticing a moist sensation. So this next category is non-peak. And this category is a moist sensation as you're wiping or walking around during the day. And the observation is cloudy, opaque, um, lotiony, milky. It's kind of like the step up from dry where you are just noticing something every day. And this might be just like more watery. And as you approach ovulation, it will just increase even more so. Um, And then the next category is peak. So peak mucus will be kind of like your highest fertility. Um, Non-peak mucus, I'll just add, can still be fertile, can still keep sperm alive. Peak mucus is the most fertile, so it will have the most water content. Um, Some people will notice mucus that looks like raw egg whites. Not everybody will, but some people will notice this really stretchy, abundant, clear fluid. Um, It might feel like you just got your period, so you might feel just like a wetness in your underwear, a water gush, uh, and it might feel really slippery. So noticing when you're progressing, when it's becoming more fertile, as you approach ovulation, you're going to have this pattern that just increases and then reaches a peak, and then will after ovulation will dry up. So it can be really helpful for some people to see pictures of mucus. And I have um, a blog post, like I mentioned, with photos. Um, and then when I work with clients, I get clients to send me photos of their cervical mucus, which for some people might sound strange, but I, to be honest, am just completely desensitized to it. So um, I get people to send me their photos of their mucus. Um, And to just really simplify into those three categories, if you're using a symptothermal method of FAM, is a good way to just like ease any confusion. So that is my rundown of (laughs) cervical mucus. That is so cool. And I'm like, that's a new like client goal. Like, just send me, <laughs> send me all your pictures. I, I feel like I need to step it up now. Um, <laughs> this is super fascinating. And I'm wondering for people that feel like they're dry all the time or feel like they have excessive mucus, um, both like what that could be an indicator of and or if that's problematic. Yeah, I feel like the dry all the time, I don't hear about as much because I'm getting people to pay attention to their mucus. Usually what I hear concerns around is an excess of mucus. Mm -hmm. And I think that this comes from just the misinformation that we're surrounded by around our own bodies. Like there is no issue with having abundant mucus around ovulation. If you're having mucus all the time, throughout your luteal phase, that can be potentially an issue, but it really depends case by case. I think generally people who are worried about having too much mucus, once they realize that there's a purpose to their mucus and there's a pattern, then it can just become 
less confusing or less overwhelming because they're like, oh, like I notice it during this time of my cycle and not in this time of my cycle. Um, mm. I hear, I hear people who, okay, when I said that I the dryness all the time, maybe it's not the dryness all the time, but people saying they're they're not experiencing experiencing enough mucus. That is a concern that people have, especially when they're coming off hormonal birth control. And you probably see this, Cassandra, that after people come off hormonal birth control, their cervix is remembering how to respond to hormones. And mm. that is how cervical mucus is um, created. Is, is it re- It's our cervix responding to our hormones. So when that messaging has been thrown off for a period of time, I see in my clients that it does take some time for them to notice mucus again. They may just have really minimal mucus or once a day or just like really struggling to see any peak type mucus. And that's where I really work with my clients to focus on sensation and we have some other things that we can do. Um, But definitely if someone, if you are coming off hormonal birth control, and you're noticing very little mucus, oftentimes it's just like a wait it out and just support your body holistically. And then eventually that will return. Um, For a lot of people who aren't drinking enough water, that can be a huge uh, reason why they're noticing less mucus is because it's, it's, there's water content in mucus, making sure that you're well hydrated can also help with that. And then another potential reason is if you've had any um, surgeries or um, any kind of issues with your cervix, sometimes the cervical cells, if they've been disrupted, um, can produce less mucus just because of the actual like site of of the cervix. Um, But I feel like If you are someone who's worried about your cervical mucus, I would say the first thing is just to go and look at some photos of mucus and just kind of normalize it a little bit and just expose yourself to that if you're comfortable with it. Um, And that will help kind of assess whether you are following kind of a pattern each month um, or if maybe there's more investigation that needs to happen. Mm, That was such a great answer. Thank you. So when you're tracking your cervical mucus throughout the month, what way do you prefer to do it? I've heard some people say just when you go to the bathroom and wipe, look at the toilet paper. Other people say to insert a finger. Do you find there's a more reliable way to track it? That's a great question. I'm really glad that you brought that up. Um, So it really depends on the method that you're learning. So with fertility awareness... FAM is like an umbrella of a whole bunch of different types of methods. So we can have the symptothermal method, uh, which is basal body temperature and uh, cervical mucus. We can have methods that under symptothermal methods are have different rules about checking cervical mucus and different rules about temperature shifts. And then we can have cervical mucus only methods. There are just a whole bunch of different approaches to FAM. So it really depends on the method that you're using. And personally, I'm influenced by the the certification that I've done in fertility awareness and then the second certification in a cervical mucus-only method that I'm currently doing. So my perspective is very influenced by, you know, my background in certifications and it might differ from somebody else. But I don't teach internal checks. So I teach people to check for mucus every time they go to the bathroom. They wipe from front to back and feel for sensation as they wipe. And then you can look at the toilet paper and stretch it on the toilet paper or pick it up between your fingers. Um, And then there are other methods that discourage even picking up your mucus at all. So the internal checks, yeah, so it really is a tricky question because some (laughs) some methods will say, yes, you can do internal checks. Personally, I don't encourage people to do internal checks. And the reason 
is that when you do internal checks, you're almost always going to have an observation of cell slough, which is vaginal cells that are sloughing off. Um, you're almost always going to have that and you're disrupting um, another, um, basically another gland that impacts your cervical mucus. So I don't just, I don't encourage internal checks. Um, I put more focus on sensation if people are having a hard time seeing mucus. Um, but basically you want to just check every time that you go to the bathroom, when you wipe, um, you can observe the mucus on the toilet paper and then you can feel sensation as you wipe. Mm, that's fascinating. I've never actually heard someone have such a beautiful response to it. <laughs> it feels complicated eloquent. to explain. So thanks. <laughs> yeah, you did a beautiful job. Now, if someone is checking their cervical mucus every day, what would the indicator be to tell them that maybe they're actually not ovulating? Or, or how could cervical mucus be part of their investigation into my periods are super irregular, so am I even ovulating? Yeah, I love this question because as somebody with PCOS, I have super irregular cycles. And I would go crazy if I didn't know where I was in my cycle with like a 60-day long cycle, for example. So tracking with FAM in irregular cycles can be super insightful because otherwise you're like worried that you're pregnant or you're, you have no idea if you're ovulating or when you're ovulating or where you are in your cycle, as opposed to if you have a super regular cycle, you can kind of know based on just the cycle date. So with cervical mucus, um, if you're somebody who has a regular cycle, sometimes what can happen is estrogen will rise and you may notice patches of mucus, but you might not ovulate. So your body will kind of gear up to ovulate and you'll notice a progression or you'll notice some mucus, but you won't have a temperature shift. So that's why with symptothermal fertility awareness, we use both. Um, and so what we'll see is these patches of mucus, and then we'll see kind of like a drier phase. And then if your body gears up, to, if estrogen rises and your body gears up to ovulate, then you'll have this progression to something that's moister. You may notice even peak type mucus uh, for a day, and then you don't have a temperature shift. So for people who are tracking mucus and maybe you have PCOS, that's why it's really important to have that confirmation of basal body temperature um, to kind of like be that confirmation. Um, and then you can also kind of know if your body is gearing up to ovulate and it succeeds, then you'll just, yeah, you'll just have the added layer of information. So cool. And yeah, a great testament to why both are super important for sure. Yeah, definitely. And like there are, I'll also just throw out because I am training in a cervical mucus only method that doesn't use temperature that with cervical mucus only methods, there's a really specific pattern of mucus that's indicative of ovulation and this is this is learned one-on-one -on -one with an instructor who's able to help you kind of differentiate that pattern but for somebody who is self-teaching fertility awareness um, or who's just kind of dabbling in fam and just wants to a sense of when they're ovulating having both cervical mucus and basal body temperature can help you be extra sure especially if you don't want to get pregnant you want to have that like insurance policy to mm. know that you actually did ovulate. That's why both of those are really important. Fascinating. It's like hard for me to wrap my mind around the fact that there is a cervical mucus yeah. only <laughs> like way, but like you said, I guess if you can really know the, the, the tiny little shifts in your mucus, then perhaps you could fully rely on it. Yeah, it definitely took me some time to wrap my mind around it for someone who has been using symptothermal fertility awareness for so long. But I feel like taking this teacher training 
in the cervical mucus only method has helped me teach cervical mucus so much better and help work with people individually who have challenging patterns to be a better support and to like have this whole other layer of just insight on their chart that I didn't have before. So I think there is a lot of validity, but at the same time, the way that cervical mucus only methods are taught are generally very intentional. They're, you sit down one-on-one with an instructor and they're, they're very involved and hold your hand along the process because it is, um, it's just a different type of fertility awareness. Mm-hmm. And that should be normalized, right? Like we have our yoga teachers and we have our, you know, these people we go to for help and like, why not have a fertility support person? Definitely. Yes. And, you know, I'm a huge advocate for that because I am a fertility awareness educator, but (laughs) yes, I agree completely. So beautiful. Well, you'll find this funny, but I guess, you know, you're used to clients sending you these pictures anyway, but the last like maybe six months, I've become a lot more aware of my cervical mucus to where like I literally have pictures in my phone of like really epic fertile mucus where, you know, you can stretch it between your fingers. I don't know. This is not a TMI in this space. So if anyone's weirded out, oh, well, Um, you know, because it does get to the point where you're just so in awe of your body. And and when you finally feel like you're understanding what's happening, it's, it's really magical. How does tracking your cycle give you a lot of insights into your body or, or like to what level do you take cycle tracking in your personal (laughs) life? Oh yeah. I'm kind of the same as you. I also (laughs) will yell from the bathroom when I have some epic cervical mucus and and he is just like so used to it I will post my own cervical mucus photos in the like community group for my course and show my clients because I'm so excited I can really relate to that um excitement I know for people who like haven't noticed a lot of cervical mucus the first time they do they're like so pumped uh, which I think is really fun so I love that you do that too <laughs> um Oh, there's so many ways that cycle tracking plays a role in my life. Just like foundationally with using the method for birth control, practically, I I just love it. And it's a huge part of my life. Um, I feel like just knowing where I am in my cycle at any given day has given me so many insights into my own moods, creativity, relationships, work style, all of that type of stuff that has really transformed my life. (laughs) And it's guided the decisions that I make in my life and when I schedule things and um, yeah, just all of the ways. And I also, another huge piece of my own fertility awareness journey has been with my hormonal health and experiencing consistently irregular cycles for a really long time and only recently you know owning a PCOS diagnosis um, and like making some really big changes in the way that I eat um, has made a huge difference Um, so without the information that I have from my charts I think I would be so in the dark I think I would probably be on birth control because my cycles are so irregular and that's probably what my doctor would suggest I do Um, but I think that I would just like have I would just be in the dark with the cycles that I have and knowing when I ovulate and knowing when I don't ovulate has been essential in helping me work towards healing my hormones. And by no means do I have them healed and I'm by no means like past it. I'm fully in it. It's a, it's an ongoing journey for me. Um, but being in tune with my health and using, um, using the method for natural birth control and having this guide that really helps me tune into myself every day is just something that I can't imagine living without now that I've been practicing it for so long. So I feel like when people enter the world of like cycle tracking and fertility awareness, there are all of these other avenues that 
it really does impact their life. And I've, and I've talked to people who approach fertility awareness from an environmental perspective, which is something that I'd never really considered. But I think everybody has their own journey with cycle tracking and fertility awareness for birth control is just one piece of it. So I think that it's something I'm going to be unpacking and exploring my entire life. Um, It just offers a lot of richness to, yeah, to my life. You said that so beautifully. And I like how you finished that with it adds richness to your life. Like it's something that that adds to your life Mm -hmm. experience and, and allows you to be more cyclical and be aware of your innate nature. Definitely. Yeah, it totally does. That's beautiful. So for someone that right now wants to start to be a little more aware of their cervical mucus, who maybe feels like sometimes there's more wetness, but like I've never actually observed, you know, what I see in my underwear or on the toilet paper, where would they start? And so that could be apps, that could be guidance, anything that you feel like maybe would have served you when you were like, what? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like there is a lot more now available to people and um, there's a lot more Instagram accounts and apps and thermometers and different tools that people can find to fit their own preferences. So if you're wanting to start tracking, um, paying attention to cervical mucus, I think is a great place to start because you don't have to be fully committed. You don't have to like go and buy anything. You can just start paying attention to what's already happening. If you're not on hormonal birth control, if you're cycling naturally, you will be somewhere, you know, in your menstrual cycle and you will be most likely producing cervical mucus. So paying attention to that and tracking it in a paper chart or in an app. And the only app that I recommend right now, because there's nothing that really compares, is the Read Your Body app. Um, and you have to pay for this app. It's like $14 a year. It's really affordable. Um, but all of that data is yours. So they don't sell your data. It's incredibly customizable and they're always improving the app based on the feedback from the fertility awareness community. So I recommend the read your body app, um, and then picking a method. So if you're wanting to like start using the method for birth control, it's really important that if you're wanting high effectiveness to choose a method. So if you're wanting to self-teach, which some people find success doing, a lot of people will read the book, Taking Charge of Your Fertility, um, which is a really good resource. Um, and if you're if you're reading that book and you're just like, this is too much information, I can't take this into my brain, or you're having a lot of cycles that are just confusing you, you may benefit from working with an instructor, especially if you're wanting to avoid pregnancy and you're very strictly like, yeah, you're very strictly trying to avoid. Um, And then the instructor will teach you the method that you choose. So like I mentioned before, there's tons of different methods of FAM. Um, Finding an instructor that aligns with your beliefs that you vibe with. And then that has, that teaches a method that you want to learn. Um, But you don't have to go all the way to use its information for birth control. You can use it to track your health or just become more in tune with with your cycles. Um, And yeah, and then the other note that I'll just make if you're wanting to start tracking basal body temperature is you don't want to use just any thermometer and you want to use a thermometer that um, goes to two decimal places. And you take your temperature before you get out of bed at the same time every morning. Um, And then you'll also want to track that in your paper chart or in an app. Um, And then once you have all of that together, it's just a matter of practicing, of actually charting your own cycles and seeing these patterns emerge every cycle. And then that's where your confidence really builds in getting familiar with your body. So beautifully said. I, I'm so excited to get the feedback from this episode. I think a lot of people are going to feel like this was finally the clarity they needed to be brave enough to try it. Since like you said, a big misconception is like, this is playing Russian roulette, right? With like getting pregnant. Like it's 
it's not very effective or accurate. Um, but I think hopefully everyone now feels like this is an amazing option for those that want to track their cycle and have such a deep awareness about their body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just hope that people feel like there is support for them if they're wanting to choose an alternative to hormonal birth control and that there are communities out there where people are successfully using FAM and I think that it's just about having an informed decision and being supported in that decision. So no matter what people decide to do, I just hope that they feel supported in that. Hmm. Oh, well said. Mm-hmm. Where can everyone find you and connect with you, Natalie? If I can like sell you for a second, um, <laughs> you have one of the best Instagram accounts out there that's Aww. super informative and... Um, I feel like you have such a beautiful blend of good wisdom and also a lot of vulnerability in your own healing journey. So I stock your account. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Cassandra. And likewise. Um, Yes. So you can come find me on Instagram. I'm at Fertility Awareness Project. And if people are curious or just want a starting point, if you're wondering how to use FAM for birth control and you're wanting some of those tools that I mentioned, I have a really comprehensive free course called FAM Fundamentals, and it's a video course that you can do in an afternoon, Um, and you can find that at my website, fertilityawarenessproject.ca. Amazing. You're going to have a a stampede of emails coming (laughs) your way. It's been such a pleasure to have you on the podcast, Natalie. You are amazing and so eloquent in the way you speak. And I'm really, really grateful that you are a leader in this space, especially now when we need women like you leading in their truth more than ever. So thank you. Yeah, it's been really great chatting with you, Cassandra. And yeah, just thank you for the space to have me on. Mm, My pleasure. And Natalie's links are all in the show notes. So grab her freebie, her fam fundamentals. Her Instagram is linked there and she has plenty of information and epic blogs on her site as well. So thank you so much everyone for tuning in with us today and we will see you next time.